The Gospel of John, chapter 14, beginning at verse 15. We're in the midst of a series looking at the last words of Jesus to his disciples before he goes to the cross and subsequently back to the Father. And God began to impress this part of the Gospel of John on me as I was months ago preparing for that series on the essentials of our faith, where we looked at sort of the last words of the New Testament writers to the churches and to the, to the church. And so it was like God impressed upon me, we need to look at the last words, obviously, of Jesus as well, because everything Jesus said is significant, but these very final thoughts of Jesus to his own followers before he goes away were very significant, and I think they have a lot to say to us. So that's where we're going to be for the next few weeks, is traveling through the last couple chapters of John leading up to Jesus' arrest. Uh, and I thought, too, this is certainly appropriate for this time of year, uh, as obviously Easter is now less than a couple weeks away. Um, after that, we're going to do a short series on some of the parables of Jesus on Tuesday night, uh, and we'll be talking more about that as well. Don't forget again that this Sunday is a standalone message, and we're going to be uh, observing communion. And then uh, the following Sunday is obviously our fifth anniversary service, and also Easter Sunday, and we'll be having another standalone message. And then on Sunday, April the 12th, uh, I'll be starting a new series on prayer, and I'm very excited about that. All right, a couple of things as we approach this passage we're going to be looking at tonight. Jesus has obviously been telling his disciples, I'm going away, I'm going back to my father. And the disciples are freaking out. They are upset. It's like, how can we manage if you're not with us? You, you know, we, you've been with us now for three years. And, and there's no way that we're going to survive, uh, much less thrive, if you're not here. And so Jesus, especially in this passage, is going to inform them. Look, I've got this. I'm going to take care of you. In fact, I'm going to send another one who's just like me, equally competent to me who's actually not just going to physically be with you, but who's actually going to inhabit you and be in you. That's even more than I could have been while on earth. Because while I'm physically in this body, there were times where you and I were apart. But you've got to understand, now that this Holy Spirit is coming, you're going to have Him all the time. Because he's going to now exist and live inside of you. So that's big teaching tonight that Jesus gives in this passage. The other thing that Jesus really touches on a lot here in this passage is he ties the value of how much we value him and how much we treasure him to our own view of his word. In other words, Jesus is over and over again in this passage linking 
our love for him with our obedience, if you will, and love for his word. And what place his word is given in our lives. In fact, to start with, I want to show you this because we're only going to cover verses 15 through 26 tonight. And even in those verses, there's four times in just that alone where Jesus makes reference to that and ties them together. The first being in verse 15, where he says, If you love me, you will obey my commandments. Then look at verse 21. The person who has my commandments and obeys them is the one who loves me. Then look at verse 23. Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my word. Verse 24. The person who does not love me does not obey my word. So four times here in a very short amount of time. Jesus is over and over again saying the same thing, maybe a little bit differently, but he's saying the same thing. Love for me, how much you treasure me, how highly you think of me, how highly you value me is linked to what place my word has in your life. And obedience here is what Jesus is calling his disciples to because Here's the thing. There's two things that Jesus is going to sort of say to the disciples here that is supposed to comfort them. Going back to the beginning of this, this series of messages, when we started out a couple weeks ago in John 14, where he says, let not your heart be troubled. Don't let it be stirred up and agitated, if you will, and distressed. You believe in God, Jesus says, believe in me. Put your trust, your confidence, your faith in me. And what Jesus now is laying out for the disciples is, guys, I'm going to give you two things in your life that's going to strengthen you and sustain you in the days ahead, even though I'm not going to be physically present. And these two things are, are sufficient. They are more than enough to allow you to not only continue to stay strong and grow, but even fulfill my will for your life, to be the foundation of the New Testament church and to take my gospel to the world. And as we know from the book of Acts, they did turn the world upside down. And they did it through a couple of resources, if you will, gifts from Jesus that he gave his disciples and to the church. One of them is his word. Jesus is saying to his followers, if you value my word, if my word has a high place in your life, if it, ha- if it takes you know, priority in your life and has authority over our lives, if we read it and study it and memorize it and meditate on it and consider it and obey it. And by the way, The word obey here means to observe with care. In other words, think of it this way. It's as if, you know, we we live in the, the modern world with things like, you know, GPS and stuff. Think of the Bible as as God's, you know, navigational system for every believer. And what what Jesus is teaching us here is that. 
we as believers and especially as disciples, as faithful followers of Jesus Christ, we should be allowing the Word of God to literally guide us through life. And that we should never sort of take our eyes off of the Word of God. It should always be something that is continually consulted by us every step of the way through our life. That's observing it with care. That's, that's uh, in a sense, giving the Word proper place in our lives. And that's what Jesus says, beginning in verse 15. If you love me. And notice something else Jesus is pointing out here. That love has, in a sense, conditions or expectations tied to it. It's okay for us to have expectations when you and I talk about love. And notice too here that Jesus is teaching that love isn't just some sentimental feeling. Love is something that is put in action. There has to be action involved with love. And we know that to be true from 1 Corinthians 13, where Paul gives us the character or characteristics of love. And much of what he's describing there is action. It's not feeling. It's not just emotion. It's action. It is put into action. And that's what Jesus is teaching here. If you love me, if you have any regard, esteem of me, if you think highly of me, then you will observe with care what I have said. It will mean that much to you because I have left you my word. Throughout those three years with the disciples, he taught the disciples faithfully and trained them through his word. And God does the same thing today in our lives. And he wants us to take this word of his that is sufficient. And he wants us to live by these precepts and these principles that he has laid down. Then notice what he says in verse 16. Then I will ask the Father. Notice even Jesus models for us asking for things. James 4.4, you have not because you ask not. And Jesus is even, as the Son of God, asking the Father. By the way, this is a request from a preferred position. That's what the word ask means. In other words, Jesus has such an intimate, close relationship with the Father that he knows that he can ask the Father about it. We talked sort of about this Sunday, and we're going to talk more about this concept through our study of prayer. And what I want us to be encouraged by today is this. That same word is used of us, God's children, that think of it, we are can ask the Father too, because we are also in a preferred position. We are intimate and close to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ has brought us near through His blood and through His sacrifice. And therefore, through Christ, we can have access to the Father. We can come boldly, as the writer of Hebrews says, to the throne of grace. And we can ask God for things because of the position that we have. Not because of anything we've done, but because we have faith in what Christ has done. And He's given us that position. Something we always need to be remember, or to remember. That's a blessing. To think that we have that kind of of access, if you will, to God as well. And so Jesus goes on to say, I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate. 
The Greek word for advocate is parakletos. We're going to talk more about that in just a moment, but I want to stop with the word another. That's an important word here. Because it means another of the same kind. In other words, Jesus saying, look, I'm not giving you my leftovers here. When I go away and I, you know, send somebody to sort of look after you and help and support you, it's, it's not someone who's less. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. We're going to learn that's who the advocate is here. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, who's equal with me and equal to the Father, and equally capable and equally competent. So you're not getting anything less when you get the Holy Spirit. You're getting a very adequate advocate, if you will. And the word advocate here, again, the Greek word parakletos, means a couple of things. But primarily, it is a helper to support. In in its very essence, that's what it means. It it can be used for someone as far as like a, a defense attorney, you know, in a legal sense. That's how the Greeks use this term as well. Someone who will defend us, if you will. But it's also just at its very base, just a helper who will support us. And that's who the Holy Spirit is. He is our continual helper and support. And Jesus says, that's who I'm asking the Father to give. And notice, he will be with you forever. A companion forever. That's a great thing. They were up, the disciples were upset that Jesus was leaving and like, Jesus, how are we going to do this? How are we going to navigate? How are we going to go on without you? And Jesus is trying to again bring comfort and encouragement and reassurance to his followers. He's saying, look, when the advocate comes, this helper who's going to support you, he's going to be your companion forever. You're never going to be separated from him. And through him, we've already learned that that because Jesus and the Father are one, we also know that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are one, and the Father and the Holy Spirit are one. And even though they are three distinct persons in the Godhead as a trinity, they are also one God. And therefore, they function in total unison and unity with one another. And therefore, when one is ministering to us, in a sense, they're all ministering to us. We talked about that last week. So again, Jesus simply saying, I haven't left you high and dry. (coughs) Excuse me. I'm going to continue to minister to you and help you and support you through the Holy Spirit because whatever he does, I'm a part of it too. And so is the Father. Notice he goes on to say though, the spirit of truth is who this advocate is because later on in John 16, verse 33 He's going to tell these followers of his that he will guide you into all truth. Whom the world cannot accept. The world separated from God and not in relationship with God can't wrap their mind around a Holy Spirit. Therefore, Jesus says, they don't see him and not physically because he's spirit. It means they cannot perceive him, nor do they 
know him. They have no personal acquaintance with the Spirit. Which reminds us that as followers of Jesus Christ, part of our growth as Christians is to become more and more acquainted with the Holy Spirit and it's learning to walk in the Spirit and live by the Spirit. All those exhortations that Paul and other New Testament writers give to us in their New Testament letters. We are to live by the Spirit, by His enablement, by His empowerment. The world doesn't have a clue. Which is why, can I just say, why we as Christians should be living such distinguished and distinctive lives from the world. Because the world doesn't even know or perceive of the Holy Spirit. And yet you and I have God living within us to help and support us all the time. Therefore, there's no way our life should look just like the world who doesn't even know the Holy Spirit, can't wrap their mind around it. And we not only perceive the Holy Spirit, but hopefully we're getting more and more acquainted with Him as we learn to interact with Him every day since He lives inside of us, and to be aware of Him and His promptings in our life and His leading and His teaching and all of that. And that's why Jesus is giving such comforting words. That's why He goes on to say, notice, He says... Because he resides with you. He stays. He remains. He abides. And he will be in you. John 14, 17. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Think of it. God lives inside of us. I mean, that, that should be encouraging to us. We never, therefore, are alone. We may feel alone. We may tell ourselves we're alone. Others may, you know, whatever it is. But the facts are, the truth of God is, we are never alone. God is always with us in the person of the Holy Spirit. He indwells us forever. He is our forever companion And therefore, we're never alone. Any battle, any challenge, any obstacle that we face, we never face alone. We can face it with God who lives inside of us. So that's why he goes on to say in verse 18, I will not abandon you. That's what you're afraid of. I've been telling you I'm going away and you think I'm going to leave you high and dry. By the way, the word abandon means to disregard or to neglect. Now again, we may at times, as Christians even, we may think God is disregarding us, we may think God is neglecting us, but the truth of Jesus' own words is, I will never neglect you. It's not like Jesus up there in heaven at the right hand of the Father and somehow is totally unaware of what's going on in Jeff Royce's life. And he gets busy, you know, sustaining the universe and keeping everything going, and he, you know, he's busy maybe with, but doesn't doesn't have a clue what's going on with me. No, never. We know that God is intimately acquainted with every detail of our life. And we are never neglected. We are never disregarded. Think of it this way. 
Jesus is always totally engaged with us. Even when we're totally disengaged with Him. We can be unfaithful. He's always faithful. And we may pull away from Him, but He never pulls away from us. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So Jesus is saying, I'm not abandoning you. Far from it. In fact, He says, I am not even going to leave you as orphans. This word means one who has no one to look out for them or take care of them. Jesus is saying, you never have to worry about being an orphan when you're one of mine. You will always have someone to look out for you and take care of you. I will do it. I I take personal responsibility, Jesus says, for that. Now, in a little while, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me. You will experience me and engage me. Now, wait a minute, Jesus. Aren't you contradicting yourself? You're you're telling me them. You're going away. You're not going to see me anymore. And now you're telling them, oh, but in a little while you'll see me. I'm going to get ahead of myself here a little bit, but this is really cool. How these men were going to experience and engage with Jesus, even though he left, was through the Spirit. See, Jesus is telling them, look, this is the cool thing about the Spirit being in you. You're still going to be able to experience me and engage with me just like we do. See, even though we've never physically seen Jesus with our eyeballs, we experience Him and engage with Jesus every day through the Spirit of God who lives within us and through the Word of God. So Jesus says, In a little while, the world will not see me any longer, but you will see me because I have, because I live, you will live too. Basically what Jesus says, I'm life. Not just that I'm alive and I'm going to come back to life from the dead in my resurrection. What he's really saying is, I'm life. And we know that to be true. The Bible teaches Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Even he declared it. So you can't kill life. You see, Jesus is the prince of life. And so anyone who is in Christ has life. We can't die. That's why Jesus said in John 11, when he was talking about Lazarus and and, and raising the dead, he said, if you believe in me, you'll never die because I'm life. And if you're in me, you won't die either. That's what Jesus is also saying to his followers here. He says, you will know at that time That I am in the Father, verse 20, and you are in me and I am in you. We're all tied up in this together. We're all in this together. We're all in unity and unison together. Again, Jesus, all this reassurance and comfort and encouragement he was giving to them. And think about it. Jesus is getting ready to experience the horrors of, of scourging and mocking and crucifixion and all that. And yet, here's Jesus. His focus isn't on him, totally selfless. His focus is on preparing his disciples for what's ahead. That's who Jesus is. So he says, the person who has my commandments, verse 21, and obeys them is the one who loves me. 
The one who loves me will be loved by my Father. It means to be esteemed, to be blessed, to be favored by. In other words, when we truly obey the Word of God and give it the proper place in our lives, God the Father will bless us. He will favor us with more, which is what Jesus is going to say here. Notice he says, and my Father, and I will love him and will reveal myself to him. Literally, I will manifest and disclose more of who I am to the one that I see obeying my word. And that's a scriptural principle that runs again throughout the entire Bible. That if we're faithful in, in what God has already given us, he'll give us more. He'll reveal more of himself. God is not going to disclose and manifest more of who he is to someone who's totally disregarding his word. First, God says, you get engaged with what you already know. You pay attention and give care to what I've already revealed to you. And if you want to know more, then folks start there. And then once I see that you're faithful in what I've already revealed, I'll give you more. You see, that's the way God works. In a sense, God is a model for all parents of even how to parent in an effective way. Because it, it's just, that's one of the, the ways parents should, should parent. That if a child wants greater responsibility, give them responsibility. Can they handle that responsibility? Don't give them more responsibility until they've proven that they can handle this responsibility. Once they've proven they can handle this responsibility, then you let the rope out a little bit more, a little bit at a time. And that's how we do it. That, that's the way God is with us. He says, Jeff, are you going to be responsible with this that I've given you? Okay, now that I've seen you can handle that, I'm going to give you more. Because God is always about giving us more. It's not that God is reluctant and doesn't want to give his children more responsibility and, and more opportunity and stuff like that. But God says, you've got to be faithful in the little things and then I'll give you much more. I mean, that's even the principle that Jesus says is going to be applied to us in the judgment. When we're rewarded. Let's move on. Verse 22. Lord, Judas, not Judas Iscariot. I love that. How do you like to, you know, please, not Judas Iscariot, you know. Because we know from a couple weeks ago, he's already left. Bible said Satan's already entered him. He's already out to basically sell, sell off Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. So Judas, the other Judas named Judas, one of Jesus' disciples, said, Lord, what has happened that you're going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Now, this is actually a pretty good question. I, I thought we were to make you known and we were going to take this message of you to the world. How are you now telling us you're going to reveal yourself to us but not to the world? Well, there's a couple things in there. First of all, through the Holy Spirit. In other words, Jesus already said the world doesn't get the Holy Spirit. So how I'm going to personally sort of communicate with you and commune with you and move in you is through my spirit. That's how you and I will stay in contact with each other. Okay, And so the world doesn't have the Holy Spirit. So there will be these, you know, intimate personal messages between me to you through my spirit that the, that the world's not going to get. 
because they don't have the Holy Spirit. But there's something else really cool about this. And that is that it's not that Jesus has abandoned his goal of reaching the world. But it's the vehicle through which he has chosen to reach the world. And the vehicle God chose to reach the world was his church, his people, his disciples. And so Jesus later on is going to say, now it's up to you guys who have the Holy Spirit in you and you gals to go out into the world and to take the message of the gospel to the world. You see, I'll minister through to you through my spirit and then it's your responsibility to take what you know and what you've experienced to the world. That's how I reach the world. I'm reaching it through you. It's going to be your responsibility. So Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, verse 23, and he will obey my word and my father will love him and will come to him and take up residence with him. Literally, to stay, to abide, to dwell, and, and really enter a place of highest influence. That, that's what the phrase taking up residence in us means. In other words, that God is not this every once in a while guest that's in our life that we sort of consult with and interact with every so often. The picture that Jesus here is giving is someone who comes and literally lives and is there every day and they never leave. And it's because there's this constant and continual interaction that we have with the Father, with the Spirit, and with Jesus at all times. That's what God designed, you know. Not for us to be or claim to be followers of Jesus Christ and only come to God whenever there's a crisis in our life or something big comes up and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, God, you and I need to reconnect here. Jesus is teaching us here that the whole, the whole intent of God in coming into our lives and indwelling us through His Spirit is so He could take up residence and literally that we could interact with God all the time, every day, every hour of the day and have this continual influence in our lives. The person who does not love me does not obey my words. And the word you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. Just two more verses tonight. More about the Holy Spirit here. I have spoken these things while staying with you. But the Advocate, and now Jesus for the first time really identifies, well, who is this Helper who's coming to support? He is the Holy Spirit. The one whom the Father will send in my name. What's it mean that the Holy Spirit is sent in Jesus' name? It means that the Holy Spirit is going to represent Jesus to the disciples and promote the interests of Jesus. Which is exactly what the Holy Spirit's ministry is. Remember, the Bible teaches us the Holy Spirit's ministry isn't about drawing attention or focusing on Himself. The Bible teaches us that the ministry of the Holy Spirit is about focusing attention and all of that to Jesus. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit, you see. 
You and I will know when the Holy Spirit is working and moving when Jesus is being elevated, magnified, and celebrated. That's when the Holy Spirit is being allowed to do His thing. Because that's what He comes to do. To elevate, magnify, and celebrate Jesus. And lift up Jesus in our lives and in our church's life and anywhere that the Spirit is allowed to work. Now think of it. Later on, in 2 Corinthians 5.20, Paul says to us as Christians, as disciples, that we are ambassadors for Christ. And the same concept that Jesus is talking about here in connection with the Holy Spirit really then falls to us as well. I mean, not that we're ever God. We cannot be God. But we can, we can assume some of the characteristics, if you will. And, and one of those is that we can go out into this world and we can represent Jesus as well. And we can promote the interest of Jesus, just like the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to be sent in His name. And Jesus did the same thing with His followers. When He sent them out, He said, Go under My authority and in My name as you go. You see. And then He says, This Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, will teach you everything. Does this contradict us as Christians having human teachers, Bible teachers? No. Because obviously, comparing Scripture with Scripture, the Bible tells us that there will be those who have the gift of teaching and those who are to be teaching in the church and that pastors are to feed the flock of God. So, then what's Jesus saying here? If he's not contradicting what the other scriptures say. He's saying basically that the Holy Spirit is our ultimate teacher. That even those human teachers that are to teach us are supposed to be operating in the power and in the wisdom that the Holy Spirit is giving them and that even though we are listening, like you tonight are listening to a human teacher teach the Word of God, it's not me who's going to ultimately do the teaching, if you will, the instructing, the guidance, the direction in your life. It will be the Holy Spirit who takes the Word of God and, in a sense, defines it personally for where you and I are and fits it exactly where it needs to be and reinforces certain things and all of that. That's the Holy Spirit that does that. that that's why even though they're, you know, even here tonight... All kinds of different folks here tonight. Some of you will hear certain things out of this that, that, that the God wants to emphasize in your life and, and other things won't be as emphasized as it is in other people's lives because the Holy Spirit will take this message and He will fashion it personally for each of us. And He will ultimately be our teacher. So it's not contradicting other places in the Word of God. Ultimately, the Holy Spirit has to do it. He has to be behind the teacher. And he also has to be behind all of those who are learning, if you will. 
or else there's not going to be the effectiveness that we could have otherwise. The Holy Spirit has to do it. And then he says, he will cause you to remember everything I said to you. I love this. And I'll close with this because my voice is going. The Holy Spirit will help bring to mind what Jesus even said earlier on to the disciples. So think about it. Something very cool here. Jesus had taught the disciples for three years. That's a lot of teaching. And obviously, on a human level, we're not going to be able to remember everything in three years that someone teaches us. But if we're willing to sit under that teacher and truly engage and listen, something supernatural takes place. And that is that if I'm faithful to place myself in an environment where I'm learning and where I'm growing and where I'm being taught, that I don't have to take on the responsibility of keeping it all in my head at all times. That if, believe it or not, what God is saying is I will absorb it if I'm faithful to place myself in an environment where I'm learning and being taught. And therefore, later on down the road, the Holy Spirit will bring these things to mind that maybe I even thought, that I even thought, I don't remember that, or I forgot that, you see. So God is saying, look, again, he's, he's sort of asking us to trust him. That if we'll be faithful in being taught and sitting under his word and giving his word a proper place in our lives, that the Holy Spirit's ministry, one of his ministries will be, he'll help us to remember the things when we need to remember And can I say personal testimony? If you listen to me teach at all and have for years, my teaching ministry is a personal example of that. Because there's no way I get up here on Sundays and Tuesdays or whatever and remember everything that I studied. Especially at 53 years of age. Can I tell you? As you get older, you just you don't remember as much. But what God is teaching me even is, you be faithful to my word, you sit in my word and under my word and saturate your mind with my word, and when it's needed, my Holy Spirit will bring that back up to your head and bring it up to your memory and recall it and bring it to mind when it's needed. That's really cool. So here's the things that Jesus again is saying in these very last moments that he has with his disciples. I mean, guys and gals, this is such a defining moment. I mean, think of it. Everything that Jesus came to earth for is coming to, to culmination. He's going to the cross and dying, and then he's leaving. And it literally is now. The work of God is going to be placed and entrusted into the hands of mere mortals. And yet Jesus is saying here, whether it's through the indwelling Holy Spirit or through my word, I've given you everything you need to spiritually prosper, to grow, to bring others into the kingdom, 
what, to navigate the trials and obstacles and challenges of life, whatever you need, I've given it to you. If you don't, if you don't recall to mind anything else from this passage of Scripture, leave with these words from Jesus. When he said, I will not abandon you. I will never disregard or neglect you. And I certainly will never leave you as orphans. As no one to look out for you or care for you. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, the entire Trinity, looks out for each of us and cares for us every day. And they are totally engaged in our lives. Totally with us. All the time. I hope that will encourage you tonight. Let's pray. God, we, we can't even begin to express the gratitude that we should for what you have done for us. I mean, beyond our salvation, which is so great a salvation, as the writer of Hebrews says. You've given us yourself. You've literally, through the Holy Spirit of God, said, I'm with you every day of your life. Your forever companion. We never walk alone in this life. God is always with us. Every step of the way. And you give us your word. The word of God that is living and powerful. Active. Sharper than any two-edged sword. And you give us this word to sustain us and to strengthen us. To give us hope and peace and joy. But God, it's up to us. It's our responsibility to give that word proper place in our lives. I pray tonight, God, that once again we as your followers would be reminded of the great resources spiritually that you've bestowed upon us. And that we would be able to live, God, with, with even more confidence and conviction as we go through our day. That even though the world can be in chaos, God, we can stand strong in you. Take this group of people even here in Chandler, Arizona and help us take your message of who you are to our community and world around us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.